Split Oak is so small, it's claustrophobic. A few buildings, the parking lots, the pool, and the woods. It closes you in like a hug from a relative you hate. I'm excited to leave this place once I get things set back up with Vivian. We're going to work it out. We'll be fine. I, I just know we will. We have to be. Things are going to be different this time. Oak Lane, Episode 4, The House Call. It had stopped raining, finally. It was like the weather changed on purpose, just to mess with me on a day I already didn't have much to do. First, I did my duty. I visited tenants to check in. I double-checked that the pool guy was going to swing by later in the week to fish out the possum that found its way from Mr. Henderson's into the water and drowned itself. Second, I took a walk around the complex to clear my head, you know, get some exercise. I didn't like how hard I was breathing, so I took a shortcut over the bridge back to the office. As I got closer, breathed harder, I heard Vivian in my head, encouraging me to walk with her. I heard myself say, I don't have time to exercise, I have to work. When I got back, I stood out by the rent box for a long time. The one mustache had messed with the other night. I stared at it. I tried to will something to happen to the bricks beneath it. The sun was at its peak, frying the back of my neck. Sweat dribbled down my back. I didn't like how gross it made me feel. I wish I knew when I had made the decision to stop caring about my body and just let myself get lumpy and sweaty. I flexed my hands. At least they were still strong. My veins were bulging tenderly from the exertion, from the heat. My head full of the gold fence, the crawlers, and mustache's secret compartment beneath the deposit box. I ran my fingers along the wall by the deposit box, just like mustache had. I didn't know the handshake, but I was hoping it'd work anyway, and that compartment below would pop open. Did it work like I wanted? Does anything? I tried again, waving my hand in a different pattern, then again, harder, and my knuckles scraping the bricks. Nothing. That stupid box! Stupid me. I punched the bricks. I wanted to get inside to see what the hairy detective was hiding from me. I punched and I punched and I punched with everything in me. I thought of Vivian asking me not to raise my voice. I thought of Benny refusing to look me in the eyes. I thought of Jesse and... I looked down at my hands. Red. Bruised. Bloody. The fingers on my left hand, my good hand, looked like soggy french fries. Limp, wet, bent at strange angles, like I was holding my own fingers. <sighs> the only doctor in the book that you gave me is a general practitioner named Dr. Linda Macy, so I called her. Times like these make me grateful for voice dictation, because my hands were too swollen to dial any numbers. Dr. Macy showed up faster than Jimmy John's. I swear, I barely got off the phone before she was knocking on the office door. 
Well, more like a few light raps. Like she was trying to hang a wall frame without waking up a baby. I mean, I almost didn't hear it. I opened the door and was greeted by a slim five foot nothing woman with thick black glasses, silver blue hair, and a slight hunch. And a smile that could warm your heart or stop it cold depending on the lighting. I did my best to stretch out, showing my hand, but the pain was too much. She breathed sharply and winced, the way a teacher might when a kid shows a boo-boo. Well, now that is something else. Come sit and we'll see what we've got here. She had an old-fashioned black medical bag, somewhere between Mary Poppins and Jack the Ripper. Anyway, out of the case came alcohol swabs and cotton gauze that she spread out carefully on my desk, rolling out the corners like a map. I flopped my hands down. It hurt. She began to clean them up. I looked away. I hate admitting that, but I did. I'm not the biggest fan of blood, even my own. Vivian always got such a kick out of that. The big man who clamps his eyes shut because he cut himself slicing a baby carrot. Yeah, okay, it happened. Twice. Dr. Macy asked me a question that snapped me back. Oh, now what in the world made you do such a thing? What was I doing? Trying to command a magic voodoo drawer? Bust down the whole damn rent box with nothing but pride and a knuckle? I whipped something up quickly that we would both believe. I was moving some slate off a truck bed. Didn't realize how wobbly one of the columns was. Fell right smack down on my hands. Dr. Macy looked up from her work and gave me another good, hard stare. She said that my little mishap implies random chance. A slight slip-up. Perhaps even a little innocent neglect. I remember she smiled at neglect. I didn't. These little bruises you've got say something else to me. They say intent, purpose, passion, even. I think there's more to you, Mr. Moody. Maybe a lot more, but here is the wound and here is the doctor. The doctor treats the wound and I have no reason to doubt you. I fully expected a wink and I got one and it made me shiver just a bit. She still wasn't done. I've, I've seen what intent and passion can do. They're neutral forces you see until we imbue them with our own history. Intent to marry your high school sweetheart, or intent to kill a duplicitous lover, and passion. That gave us the grand cathedrals of Europe and it littered the fields of Antietam. That young Jessie had both inside her and they told her to end it all that night. Lucky I got there in time or the sidewalk would have been her grave. What a light that would have gone out. I wonder, Mr. Moody, if it wasn't something else that drove you to scar these hands. And I wonder where might it take you next? Well, now I was in a trance. I mean, I wasn't under her spell like in a B-movie, but I was stuck. Like, I desperately wanted to answer her somehow, but I couldn't get the words out. Not the way I wanted to. She seemed to see right through me and like she wanted to help me. And I wanted to be helped by her. For the life of me right now, I can't explain why I wanted to tell her everything. It, and then I realized, I realized what she just said. Jessie, Jessie tried to kill herself. What? 
What? That's crazy. That, that can't be true. Or, or, or is it? And why is the doctor telling me? She shouldn't be, right? Someone else around here has got to know the truth. Dr. Macy must have watched me realize all of this in real time. Vivian always said my face was a billboard of emotion. Oh my, that should not have slipped out, Mr. Moody. I do get carried away, especially when I think someone needs to hear something in particular. You just have that way about you, and this is just between us. Another icy wink. What do I do here? Is she telling me the truth? Do Mustache and Cherry know about Jesse? Does anyone here at Split Oak? And how often has Dr. Macy been here? I've never seen her before. But like Mustache, she would have stood out in Times Square during rush hour. Suddenly, as quickly as this glimpse into Jesse's life had popped into mine, I sat there staring at my newly bandaged hands. From meat to mummy in just 10 minutes. I was still wondering how she did it so quickly when I noticed she was already standing in the doorway. She put out her right hand to shake goodbye, then of course thought better of it and let out a cackle. <laughs> she turned like a soldier in step and she was gone. And I was left with questions. Again. Mustache, the drawer, the bricks, Jesse. The anger was back and it was just up and down my spine and in the back of my throat. Something I could almost taste. Metallic, if you want to know. I wanted to find some stuff out for myself, and I figured I could start with Francine. So I went out across the wooded area, over the creaky bridge, I still gotta fix that, and up to Francine's place. She must have heard me coming up the stairs because she opened the door before I got there, and she didn't waste a moment. Oh Leo, you know, the mold under the sink is doing something kind of odd. Can we talk? I said. She looked confused. Like that was the last thing she expected me to say. But she invited me inside. The second I sat down, I launched into it. Jesse, the suicide attempt, everything. I didn't tell her where I heard it, but I could see the instant look of regret, remorse. Like I tripped over a secret she didn't realize was right there in the open all this time. Francine had been a lot of things, but showing anyone this side of her seemed new. She had been working hard to get better, she said after a silence. To find the right way through, that's what she always said, the right way through. She said she gave Jesse advice on the man in her life, John, someone, or Jim. It was definitely a J name. He seemed aloof until he wasn't. Then he was jealous and didn't understand what Jesse wanted from her life. Though, Jesse always said it was about more than John, or Jim, or whatever. But never really explained what she meant. I kept telling her she could do so much better, Francine said. That she was strong enough to let the creep go and get things back on track. That poor girl had so much bringing her down that I didn't want to. I wish I'd reached out. Francine was letting me in, like... So many things this week was something. I took that in and thanked Francine for her time. I left the breezeway, not before apologizing to Francine that I'd have another date with the mold, but I couldn't promise anything. Probably out of my control. 
Things may get a bit backed up for a week or so. With both hands out of the commission for at least a day, I won't be knocking much off the list. If you have any extra help you'd want to send my way, I'd really appreciate it. I can't get what Francine said out of my head. That bit about not wanting to bring Jesse down. About being a burden. She looks like she may never quite forgive herself. I get that. But I've spent a while trying to kick that regret to the curb. And flexing those old muscles with Francine tonight. It was an old friend showing up for a beer on the day you picked to stop drinking. Choosing to stay away, to not be a burden. I mean, that's kind of what it's about, right? Let people wallow in their own shit. And stick to your own. No one will care about you more than you. Loved ones come and go and go. Then there's you. The one who could have been a burden but knew better. Francine was on to something. Maybe I had her wrong. <laughs>